like Kobe and Shaq. My name is Matthew Kroll. And get into my fur. My name is Shahir Dowd. Oh, and this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Hustlers. The air horns are in the title. Really? Yeah. Like 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 uh like quotation marks? Yeah, so it's 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 the title Hustlers yeah. and then it's just wamp 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 wamp. How do you spell wamp? Uh B W A M P P P P P. I really prefer pew 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 pew. Anyway, hi everybody. Hi she here. Hey Matt, how you feeling? I'm good. I am pumped to talk about some hustles. Some hustling? You've been hustling this week? I have been I mean, no more or less than usual, and my hustling involves me sitting at my desk screaming at a computer and a cat wondering what the hell I'm doing. It is unusual that you're oiled up and in a G-string, though. Well, I, listen, that is, I like to be thematic. Yeah. Uh, just like last week, uh, for Joker... You had clown I, mask on. No, I didn't have a clown mask on. I instead uh, wore the most bland clothes possible that no one will be discussing in about two weeks. So, like, <laughs> if, like what you're wearing right now. Yeah, ah, G-strings. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Enjoy uh, your film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the conversation around Joker has been really fascinating. That uh, that episode, for you know, un- unsurprisingly, is a was a popular one for us. Um, we have a lot of emails uh, in uh, for Joker, but I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna maybe do that as a bonus episode because yes. uh, it will be very fairly spoilerific to discuss, and we don't want to distract from uh, Laura Lorena Scarfia's film Hustlers in this episode. So uh, check us out uh, for a special episode coming soon. Yeah, it'll be. It, it might even be before this. I don't know when we want to drop it. It could be mid next week. It could be yeah. whatever. But uh, yeah, that'll be coming out. It'll be labeled bonus and it'll be labeled spoilers. So you can check out all of the the Joker esque discourse from our wonderful um, listeners out there. Thank you um, very much for emailing us. Yeah, in appreciate at, uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Want to take a quick uh, sidetrack here for a review that we got. <gasps> you uh, know, you, you yourself, listener at home, can leave us a review on iTunes. That would be. Uh, that would be delightful if you did, as did uh, Zach, who wrote, Do you suffer from boredom? I like where this is going. Uh, okay. Already. Okay. Well, <laughs> Do you need to fill in those empty car rides with hours of entertainment? Mm, so far, okay, accurate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I don't know if. I don't know where this is going, well, but yeah, I do need to fill in the car. Finish reading it. I don't know. have a car, though. Then do yourself a favor and listen to this podcast. Oh, I see what you did there, Zach. I nice. like it. Matt and Shahir have such great chemistry. The first part I've disagreed with, but that's fine. No, I'm kidding. I'm also, I, I'm, I'm going to, Zach, I love this uh, review and I'm, I'm so happy you did it. Chemistry was spelt incorrectly. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm a monster. You're a dick. You're <laughs> putting a, a person who put a nice review of us on blast for the, you know what? No, Zach, spell it however you want, man. Like this is coming from a person who cannot spell shit for me personally. I'm a monster. I apologize. Um, okay, so Matt and Shahir here have great chemistry, and their conversations either leave me in tears from laughter or deep in thought about the topic of movie. And don't try looking for another podcast about movies. There isn't one. Uh, But even if uh, they are the only podcast about movies, they blow it out of the park. If you would like some good starting points, their 2001 A Space Odyssey and Once Upon a Time Hollywood episodes are easily my favorite. Thank you so much for doing what you do and keep up the great work. And I take back what I said about chemistry because that was such a nice review. 
Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack there from that. First of all, Zach, thank you very much for the for the for the rave review. Also, thank you so much for giving people a starting point. I think that's really nice. Like, and I I, I kind of agree with with the with the episodes you chose. That's actually a really like those are two strong like also not only like great conversations but like kind of starting points about kind of sort of what we do. Okay. Um, so I think that's great. Also, Shahir, world class turd for calling out the spelling thing. <laughs> I don't. I I it's it, my wife is a chemist. For one, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? It's a, it's, a, it's her profession, so I, I so so spelling, <laughs> spelling the word. I look, it's it's what I do. It's what you I just do. Ask me how to spell thwamp. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, See, look, I'm on brand. I'm uh, on brand. It's Zach, of, you're amazing. She hears a butt. Let's move on. <laughs> Thank you very much. You Wait, can just, le- just while we're on that topic, what 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 is a favorite? Ep- We've got 236 episodes uh, in the can right now. What what's a what's an episode for people listening in that you would point to just uh, at the top of your hat, like uh, that you think was uh, fun and interesting? Fun and interesting. Uh, well, I I loved our um all of our specialty episodes, mm-hmm. like when we did uh, Can Batman Be Black? When we did um. Uh, Desert Island movies. Mm-hmm. Separating um, art from artists. Separating yeah. art from artists. Those are all great. If you're looking for a specific film discussion, though, uh, I, I think... <laughs> Is it going to be Spotlight? Is it like... No, no, <laughs> no but I, I... You know what? I, I, I won't say this. I will say, rather, the episode I am interested in going back and hearing, because okay. I don't quite remember. Like, I know my opinions, but I wonder what I said. Go wa- go listen to our Drive episode. Oh, that... Yeah, I don't... I d- That's old as shit. Yeah. And I'm probably real riled up about it because <laughs> I am not a fan of the film drive. Okay. Um, uh, what about you, Shahir? Do you have a... Uh, you know what? I, I, I hate asking, uh, like, like that I asked the question because now I'm, like, scanning going, which one do I think is But you are in the studio where you can look above my head and see the banner and see if any of the, the images that we use for conventions and stuff, uh, you, you can scan it and see if any of those episodes... So far, everyone, he didn't find one. He looked at all of our episodes we have posted around the studio <laughs> no, you and know he's what? like, nah. I, I'm going to I'm gonna just go shout out one that... like. It doesn't. It's a movie that didn't. You know, like n- not a lot of conversation is about, and we may very well be the only podcast oh. to have talked about that movie. But Son of Saul, which is something we did like in our first year, yeah. And it was a movie that I really loved. Uh, I'm curious. I'm curious to go back and visit, revisit what I what I would have said in that episode. But I remember seeing that movie the first half of it on a plane and going, I need to finish this and we need to have a whole conversation. Yeah, about no, this. I remember you talking about that. So, yeah. yeah, so I think, you know, like, and, and yeah, it, that exemplifies what I think, you know, the reason we do the podcast, which is that uh, we, one of us will get excited about something where we've got to have this conversation and it's not just about like, uh, you know, like, did we think it was good or not? It's like, we want to engage with the film. That's why, that's why you do the podcast? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I do it for the, for the sweet, sweet paycheck. Yeah, I do it for the paycheck. <laughs> I, this is really... <laughs> I got to tell you, it is getting hard listen, to do the podcast. Listen, listen. Hey, everybody out there, if you want to make like sick bank real quick, start a podcast. <laughs> start a podcast, give it away for free, and you, too, can be rolling, much like Jennifer Lopez was in this movie, just in tons of money on the floor. That's what we do to get psyched for this episode, for all episodes. We're, we're metaphorical strippers on a pole. Is that kind of what you're saying? Ooh. And people are throwing... Throwing us instead of money, they're throwing us sweet, sweet reviews. I mean, yeah, like for instance, but are we the starting point? Are we are we Destiny on the first day, or are we Ramona? On well, we're the definitely not. Day? We're definitely not Ramona. I yeah. mean, you got to look at like last podcast on the left, or like uh, you know, you want to go real high, even though you know I don't particularly listen to it, but like Joe Rogan, or right. like any of that <laughs> stuff, like that's sort of the Joe Rogan is Ramona. 
I mean, it, it kind it, it, again. I don't listen to the podcast, yeah. but he's one of the biggest podcasters. That's what I was sort of rolling yeah. towards. Yeah. If you want to go towards one that I really like, last podcast on the left and the LPN Network is my favorite podcasting network. Their shows like Page Seven and Lay Blinkett's Top Hat are phenomenal. If you're looking for more podcasts, okay. Um, Wizard and the Bruiser is so good. Check out Wizard and the Bruiser. They break down nerdy stuff real well. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, no, we are definitely destiny. In we're destiny this. on the first day. Yeah, we're and when like when I say we're rolling around in money, we definitely like made the money ourselves. It's the money from greasy strangler it's the money like written out on paper that we just made and we also have to like pay everybody else on the way out like soundcloud yeah like like, uh (laughs) uh, wordpress site our our squarespace site and there's just some rant and like the coffee person yeah the coffee person and and to be fair when we are rolling around only one of us can roll around at once because the other one has to be the one throwing the money because we haven't trained zoe to do it yet do you remember the greasy strangler when he kept the money in his butt i hadn't been telling you this (laughs) But that's what I've been doing. Oh, good, the money's good, been good, in good. my butt the whole time. Well, listen, I was super pumped to talk about hustlers. I and you know what's I um oftentimes mm-hmm. for this podcast, uh, we do have to see things right away mm-hmm. and then we have to uh you know get our stuff out there as early as possible because we want to be part of the conversation. Uh much like Joker last week. Um the the interesting thing that happens every once in a while is when enough stuff comes out or we can't do it or due to scheduling and whatnot, a very popular, well uh, uh, well talked about film will come out and we won't get to see it for two or three weeks and we're a little late on the discussion, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it gives me a really nice um, sort of different uh, exercise in reviewing it because when I watch it, I often find myself, if I've read a lot of things about a film before I see it, mm-hmm. my my view sort of skews to another direction and I have to kind of like sort of, uh, you know, I guess pendulum back and forth to get to where I actually believe based on all of the stuff I've heard about it versus my own experience of it. But, but you don't get that when you do it right away because you don't hear as much about a film. It will joker you did, but like <laughs> uh, in, in normal situations, right? Right. Um, so I was very pumped not only because I was psyched to see this movie, but it also fell into that category of, oh, it's been out for a couple weeks right and um it's been uh it, it's been and been talked about in a lot of different ways so i was psyched to uh to sort of jump into it okay i i guess um for me there was a couple of reasons i was really interested in it what primarily like you know the idea uh, uh about a movie about strippers who kind of fight back and and you know hustle the hustlers so to speak you know the hustle against the the wall street brokers yep. that kind of broke america in 2007 i think that's that's kind of interesting but honestly it was the director attached to it that made me want to see this film which is lorena scarf uh, scarf I'm going to pronounce this wrong, uh, Lorena uh, Scafaria, which uh, which it was just the name that I was like, I really, really dug her first movie, uh, Seeking a Friend at the End of the World, which... Uh, oh, Matt, that was so good. So good. That's in my Blu-ray case. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen it in your Blu-ray case. So I was curious if you uh, oh, what you thought about that it's movie. It's great. That's a movie that I love intensely, but it's, it's, it's specific to a mood. Okay, to, uh, to a mood, to a mood that I am in, right? Like, I can't just, like, if I'm like, oh, I want to watch a movie, I won't just pop that one in. <laughs> but, like, man, you know, hit that right moment, and it is, it's a near-perfect film for me. I really like that movie. Yeah, yeah, and it was a, it was a 2012 film with uh, Steve Carell and Keira, Keira Knightley. Uh, basically, the end of the world is coming, and, and Keira Knightley needs to get across the country or something like that, and Steve Carell has a plane, and, and it basically these two people who have nothing else going on in their lives and the world is ending have to come together in order to help each other out. Yeah. Um, it's really terrific. It has one of the best needle drops at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, a track from the Hollies, um, All I Need is the Air That I Breathe. Um, so I, I really, I remember I went and saw that in the theater, really loved it. Um, so it was just like, and and the, there's something about um, 
a movie with strippers that I was just like... That you just gravitate towards? I just gravitate towards, but I also was like, I was very... I The fact that this was being written and directed by a woman was the big draw card for me. Right, that, I, that makes sense. I, yeah, I was like, okay, I want to see uh, a woman's take on this on this story because I, I the thing I don't want to see at this point is I don't want to see another man's story, man's take on this story. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was starting to think about uh, so this is a, a sort of an interesting thing which was that my one of my professors at uh, at uh, Victoria University, uh, Professor Russell Campbell, wrote uh, a book on uh, sex workers in film. Um, and you know his entire thesis was about the way in which uh, sex workers are represented in film, uh, the way in which you know like um, essentially their representation is um, um, in in line with male patriarchy. You know like sex workers essentially represent uh, male anxiety in films, um, and. And I and you know there's there's a his his book is uh, very specific to that mm-hmm. topic. It's very specific to prostitution, not not specifically to uh, strippers. But this is obviously in the milieu of sex yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I started thinking a little bit about you know strippers on film. And and the way we sort of talk about strippers, uh, you know, like who are sex work adjacent. I mean, they are sex workers, but not maybe in the sort of sense that we think about prostitution or anything like that. They're sex workers. They're not prostitutes. I actually don't know the actual the the way to sort of classify if they would classify themselves the as that sex way. workers. Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure either. And yeah. and uh, perhaps you know, like if we if we misspeak about write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com. We are we are in no means experts in this topic. Yeah, and, and trust me, I've uh, have you, okay. So per, let's get personal here for a second. Sure. Being to a strip club? Yes. Yeah. How, uh, often? Not often. Yeah. Um, you know what, though? <clears throat> I was ruined for strip clubs. Okay. Let's get, let's talk about a fun. Let's talk about a fun story. All right. Let's talk strip clubs. So I was in a ba- I was at a bachelor party. It's usually with strip clubs. Exactly start. Yeah. in Montreal. Okay. Love Montreal. Uh, shout out to anyone uh, listening in Montreal. Yeah. And uh, we were we were in a small hotel, and there was a small strip club right next door. Yeah. And we were there for four nights. Right. And I'm not a huge fan of strip clubs. I I find I, I feel like uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm too uptight for them, or I don't like. I, I'm. I like to know the rules of a place or, or or a game or whatever you're talking about, like before you start. And strip clubs have often felt to me like I don't know the full set of rules, and now I'm just trying to guess along the way. Right. Um. So, uh. But I was with a bunch of good friends, and we went in, and it was a fine time. I uh, bought the the groom to be lap dances, and uh, someone bought me one, and it was and it was nice. And like, it was the first time ever, and I wish I remember the name of the strip club. I could give it a shout out. Uh, that it felt like. Just sort of like cool and nice, if okay. that sort of makes sense. Okay. There was no the 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 girls or the or the staff were not pressuring. If you wanted something, they you, you could buy it. If you didn't, then you, they didn't give a shit. And so then, so throughout this entire thing, like that first night happened, I was like, oh, that was pleasant. Yeah, we go about our we go about our stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and every night afterward, we would come back and end our night at the strip club. Oh, so, ha- At the so how same many nights did you go? We were, we were in Montreal for four nights. So, so four, four nights in a row, we ended our night at this specific small strip club. Okay. And by the third and fourth night, we were just, and we weren't like spending a ton. I want to be very clear about this. Like we weren't just like high rollers because we didn't have a ton of money. Right. But like the staff and the and the strippers and whatever like just seemed to like like us, I guess. Like, and they would like come hang out with us. Between when they were working, okay, it was weird, okay, and it was like at first I'm like, well, they're trying to get more. They must be trying to. I mean, that this is part of the again the hustle, yeah. But like, we never paid them any more for anything. I, I don't know. It was very weird, but it became like almost like 
friends at a club okay. or like or like when you know the bartender it was weird right. and maybe that was all by design and if it is kudos yeah. but by the end of it uh on night four we uh we were leaving and we literally we, we're like oh we have to go say goodbye to all these people that we know now right <laughs> so we did and whatever and then uh i remember crystal which is not her real name i'm sure but crystal with a k very okay. very clear uh was like we're going to do uh, there's an after party at like such and such you guys should come and i was like ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. And like, they sent us the Google Map, and they, when they when they texted, it was hilarious. And <laughs> do you like, think you were being primed? Maybe because here's the deal. <laughs> yeah. Check this out. This is what the text message said. Okay. It said, "Hey, here's the address. No booze, but all the drugs and Red Bull you could want." Okay. And I was like, it was like like literally like an hour away, and I'm like, I'm not going to this thing, and none of us did. Right. But like. We could have a hundred percent been primed, okay. But it still was. It's it's an experience that I look back on fondly, but like not in like a <laughs> this is super sexy sort of way. In a like, I don't know. It felt like if it was an act, it was the best act, and if it wasn't an act, it was a nice genuine thing where we kind of made friends with some people. Okay. I don't know. Uh, but that's my favorite strip club story. I have some horror stories that are not as fun. Yeah, but like it's all about. Honestly, for me and a strip club, it's all about the vibe of the place. And I have yet to find another place that I've enjoyed. And I, I don't go often, yeah. but oftentimes I find when I do, I'm just like, ah, uh, this feels like everyone, including the people I'm with, is just sort of like really pushing for everything. And I'm just like, ugh. Okay. What about you? I, that was a long-winded story. I apologize. Um, I've been to two strip clubs in my life, uh, not by, you know, because of the group we're in, uh, mostly in col- uh, they're college and one later in life. Yeah. Um, the first one was kind of a, an adventure. It was in Tijuana and, we, oh, and it was like this strip club that was in like a parking lot. Um, that was like, you had to like ask three people and then when you I got, love it. The, you, it was like that thing where like you knocked on the door and then like this little slit opened up and then like this uh, set of eyes peered in and like, <laughs> sounds like a Borderlands it, quest. It was, it was a little bit, it was like, you know, we, we thought we were going to get killed at some point. <laughs> And then we went into the strip club. And and to be honest with you, the adventure of going to the strip club, strip club was more memorable than the strip club itself. Sure. I, I, I remember it was definitely a strip club that we were not supposed to be in. Like, as in, it was a strip club that was sort of hidden away for very high rollers, I think. Really? Um, but somehow we had managed to get ourselves in there. Um, and then one uh, in <laughs> in Wellington City, and I, and I remember, again, the reason was there was a sailor <laughs> who had who had who had stopped in port and like met up and like bumped into our group while we were uh, so you know, a random out, sailor, a random sailor, and and the random sailor said to us, Yar. "Could you please show me where the strip clubs are?" Uh, so that I go and in, in Wellington, New Zealand, at the time there was like two strip clubs in in total, and so we took him there, and then he was like, "I don't want to go in by myself. Here, I'll pay for you guys to get in if you come in with me." And so we went. This in. is a, this is weird. This is weird. <laughs> Those are my two strip club stories, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. And so again, my memory is more of the like the 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 situation that got me to the strip club more than the strip club itself. My my memory of the strip clubs themselves is I'm not uh, I'm not built for whatever that interaction is. Uh, I, I'm very uncomfortable. Uh, I find uh, there's something. Um, when I know someone is uh, wanting to interact with me only on the basis that I will pay them, uh, I'm not. I, I sort of shut down. You know, like so. You don't go to therapy. No, I don't go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and so and 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 in, you know like I, it's not nothing to do with the people and you know I'm sure they're very nice people and stuff and 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 it's just that I don't it's, it's that specific transaction you are not comfortable with I, I'm just I don't you know I think maybe the better way to put it, it's like you which is like I don't know what the rules of this are and I don't want to break any boundaries the and interesting I, thing is it's all about <laughs> it, 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 it's it sounds uh, nefarious and I don't think it often is uh, but it, the the rules part the reason why I find it so tricky is that if you're playing the game optimally no one should feel or realize there are rules right but there are and you need to know them so I'm always ticking back and forth between those two things and therefore I can never get in that vibe of like just enjoying myself yeah um, I'm not much of a drinker either as, as you you're well aware so I don't like to I don't lose my inhibitions kind right. of to to be in that scenario. Uh, so that's that's me though. I mean, like that's a very uh, me reaction to those. Places. I find the more I drink, the more I think about it too much. Okay, <laughs> um, but but so uh, you know, like that that environment is something that I think is is in is infinitely fascinating for films. But unfortunately, when I thought about the films that have actually dealt with this topic, they they're not particularly. Uh, either serious or except for one, except or well, maybe two, um, they tend to be from the male gaze. Yes. So the films I thought about obviously was Demi Moore's film Striptease. Yep. Uh, you know, again, the selling point there is seeing a star that we know and identify with. Demi Moore, of course, had you know blown up at this point because of you know films like Ghost, uh, and then seeing them strip. You know, uh, and 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 I think you know, like that's the selling point of the movie. It's like, oh my god, you know, like look how look how look how far she's willing to go for this film, or look how look sure, how much sure, we're going to sure, see sure. in this film. Uh, you know, Showgirls, the Elizabeth Berkley vehicle, yep. the Paul Verhoeven movie uh, from Dust Till Dawn. You know, which had Selma Hayek stripping. You know, yep. think think about the way those films are sold to us. Uh, Sin City with uh, I literally these are both I, Robert Rodriguez films. Yeah, with Jessica Alba. Man, you know, like, from Dust Till Dawn. It's funny because it has to do with obviously Salma Hayek, but also just like the the vampire bordello in general. Yeah, like I know there's like forty five minutes of George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino like doing stuff before they get there. Yeah. I don't remember any of it. Like really? it all takes place like for me. Like it's like oh they show up and and Tom Savini's there with a crotch gun. I'm like this is cool. Uh, but uh, yeah. and Cheech is outside selling. Yeah, you know, like, I got to rewatch from Dust Till Dawn. I loved I I love that switch from from Dust Till. Regardless, you know, so the, there's that sense of um you know like it is from the male point of view yeah. and it, it, it very rarely does it kind of go into the the sort of fuller life of these people yeah um the one film that i think i i think does this is maybe exotica although it's been a long time since i've seen that i film. have not seen exotica uh with adam it's an adam mcgyan film and it has uh one of my favorite favorite um uh favorite actors of all time Elias Cotillas, who I, I i have always wanted to write a movie specifically for him was he casey jones in the ninja turtles movie? he was he was yeah and that's and that's kind of where i saw him for the first time and i was like and that he's was my, great he was my favorite character in that ninja turtles movie and then he went on to look who's talking and so like every movie i would watch movies just for him i love him i love when he goes into the foot clan and like the only thing keeping them together is like the, the, the like the teenage foot clan is like a skate ramp and like both menthol and unfiltered cigarettes are uh, given by Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Uh, and like he comes in, he's like, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. And like he's cool enough in that like late 80s, early 90s sort of way where like, yeah, fuck these ninjas. Yeah. Like, and like and they all like sort of leave. And then, oh God, the end of Ninja Turtles 1, when Shredder, spoiler alert for this, when Shredder falls into the into the trash compactor truck, yeah. and Casey straight up fucking flatlines him. He's whoops, and he hits the button and <laughs> oh, crushes right. kill, Shredder kill yeah, murders in a fucking garbage truck. Yeah, you know, it's good. I love Casey Jones. I love that actor. Yeah, Elias Cotillas. And then and you know, the thing that was interesting with him is that I grew up watching him, and he's I, I felt like 
I grew at the same time as he was in terms of the movies I was watching. So uh, he would pop up in things like uh, Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking Too, you know, so like I was getting interested in comedies. And then um, and then he popped up in The Thin Red Line and he had this, he gave this like probably one of the most haunting performances I think I've ever seen from an actor. Huh. Um, uh, you know, and then I watched Exotica uh, as I got older. He was in uh, Zodiac and um, The Curious uh, Case of Benjamin Button. You know, so he was just this actor that like I knew from this very specific point in my life and then kind of watched as I got interested in film. And again, uh, I don't know if anyone knows who this guy is, but I would, I, in fact, I have a script where the, the lead character I've written is really based on him. Like, I would love Call just him. to cast him Call in a movie. Your, your friends with Will Smith now. <laughs> I'm sure he has his number. This is, we've gotten so far away from the thing I want to talk about, which is strippers. But regardless, there's a great <laughs> film, Adam McGuire film, uh, called Exotica, where he plays. I believe he, he's a he's a uh, he he visits strip clubs and and he meets a woman and, he, and they kind of have an interesting relationship. Needless, to, you know. And the, then the other one I thought about was uh, Closer with Natalie Portman. The um, you know Natalie Portman, Clive Owen. Again, it was a the the selling point, or it seems like the selling point there is how much could they? You know, uh, it would be amazing to see this like Oscar nominated, you know, like mainstream female star strip in a film. Um, I don't even think I'm familiar with that one. It's, I think it's a Mike Lee film. No, not Mike Lee. Um, uh, I've gone blank on the director's name. Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Mike, he, Mike Nichols. Yeah, yeah. I think he likes the graduate. It. The graduate guy. Um, so, so that's been my perception of how stripper movies are, or movies about strippers comes about. So again, the fact that Lorena Scafaria uh, was going to be making this film yes. uh, was a big draw card. Matt, could you tell us what the film is about? Oh, you know, you know, it's like I'm back in Montreal. Well, I'm just doing the Adam McGuire because he's Canadian. I understand. Inspired by the viral New York Magazine article, Hustlers follows a crew of savvy former strip club employees who band together to turn the tables on their Wall Street clients. <laughs> um, accurate? 100% accurate. Um, I went and read the article by Jessica Pressler last night as well. Uh, it's a great it's a great article. Uh, it was on the cut, um, and it, it really does talk about this kind of uh, entire... Uh, moment, you know, like the 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 point of the story is it's a it's a moment between the 2008 financial crisis yep. and and the repercussions of it. And I think that idea has permeated through film, you know, like um, very profoundly. And the the film that I, you know, uh, the two films I th think about in that respect is Killing Them Softly, the um, the Andrew Dominic film with yep. uh, Brad Pitt, and um, the Girlfriend Experience, the Steven Soderbergh movie. Oh yeah. Um, so I, it's a it's an idea that you know, like the idea that 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 the 2008 financial crisis it can be examined. For from almost any point of view. Like, we could get a, a film about janitors and how they were affected by the 2008 uh, financial crisis. Yeah. You know, we could get a film about coffee shop workers. Mm -hmm. We get a film, you know, because basically all of a sudden people stop spending money. It's like macroeconomics in, in action kind of and thing. And how it all, it, yeah, it, how it affects literally everybody. But this was an interesting article that I found, uh, interesting point that I found in the Pressler, in the Jessica Pressler article, which um, she was played by Julia Stiles in the film. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, she's referring to strip clubs here, but uh, the industry was enjoying a cultural moment. Improbably, the values of third-wave feminism had aligned with those of Howard Stern, ushering in an era in which taking off one's clothes in front of an audience was no longer degrading, but sexually liberating and financially empowering. New York City clubs like Scores, the club in the film, uh, with their bright lights and bottle service had successfully marketed themselves as naughty but harmless nights out for men and women, and celebrities and athletes were all too happy to be photographed with dancers who looked as wholesome as topless cheer. 
cheerleaders. Um, and it, you know, like it, I, I don't know if we're back in that. I, I don't think we are back no. in that period now. But there is been a, there is a shift. You know, for example, when you think about pole dan- pole dancing athletics, you know, like as there's as that side of an it, acknowledgement but... that it is actually like physical labor. So I was I was shocked, and I guess I just I hadn't really thought about it before. But like the way this film even sets it up, and what they're referencing in the article about like how. Because before the financial crisis, like money was uh, for many people very prevalent and sort of easy to come by in certain abundant. circles. It yeah. was abundant. Yeah. Um, it actually made well. I, I'm sure there's a couple different socioeconomic things you could break down, but like it, just taking the sort of microcosm of strip clubs, both the strippers themselves, the workers, and the in the clientele, it then became more of a of a safe space almost because the, the and, and by that I mean like at least how it sort of says it in the film or how it portrays it from before and after the because there was so much abundance in wealth and so much abundance in clientele the 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 workers at the club didn't have to like there's always another person willing to pay for a thing right, right. so therefore you don't have to start selling things you are not comfortable with right and and sort of the way like that sort of built this uh sort of backwards net of like again sort of speaking to what it says in the article like it feels like you know topless cheerleaders or something even almost like a a, a, an innocent disney-esque thing but also that's a little bit naughty right one step away from hooters right like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it was so whereas where strip clubs used to be like far removed from hooters but but they seem to be in alignment but then just just like everything that happens when when a resource is Mm -hmm. scarce what what you what businesses have to do, what individuals have to do to get that resource to get money to do whatever, uh, can can lead to uh, more unsafe work conditions for for the people that work there, and just other sort of bad things, and even just the vibe shifting to a more negative place. Right. Now, I'm not saying that all strip clubs now are like super negative spots. I think there's a weird sort of conjoinment of of how it sort of swung back, though I haven't really been to one in a couple of years, so I can't speak from from yeah. personal experience. But like the the, the zeitgeist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Uh, you know what I love, and I've always really appreciated this. I think it's on Forty Sixth Street in Manhattan. Um, uh, when you're walking between like Eighth and Ninth Ab, I could be wrong on the uh, no, uh, no, it's Fifty Fourth. I know exactly it's, what you're talking there's, about. There's there's a mm-hmm. uh, a dance uh, a dance school, mm-hmm. and then right next to it is a strip club. Yeah, and it, it, whenever I walked by it, I was like. Yeah, I mean, not in like a ha-ha sort of way. Like, no, that makes total sense. Like, this is fucking hard. Right. Like, not that all the dance that they're doing in there is pole or is uh, sort of exotic dancing, but uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it is definitely like the the athleticism. I think is now appreciated a lot more, at least openly. Well, I think I think in this comment about third wave feminism as well as this idea that that uh, no one, the you know, like first wave feminism was about uh, essentially not having to, um, not having to uh, fulfill the male fantasy at okay. all. You know, like not, entirely not having to do that. But third wave feminism was more about like we can enjoy and indulge in the in 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 what might be considered male fantasy or in fantasy without feeling guilt or shame for it. I you see. know, and I think and I think that was a sort of an interesting point in it, there there's a the, that walks a sort of final line between between exploitation and self yeah. self uh, empowerment, but but I think it's a it's a it's a fascinating line, you know. Yeah. Like, where is that line? Hey, listen everybody, if you want to hear two men in their late 30s talk about 
feminism. Yeah. Uh, you've come to the right place. Yeah, exactly. We're uh, we are we're ideally suited to have Oh my gosh, yes. Um so so I think you know like the 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 environment is ripe for conversation, the the particular economic environment around it, basically the way in which strip clubs operate in terms of transactions um entirely makes sense. And the story it's based off of is sort of salacious enough in that sort of based on a true story sense where you're like holy shit. Yeah. Um, so Matt, uh, what was your first impressions of of this? And not b- before we get into that, just not not withstanding the fact that this is an amazing cast, all spearheaded by maybe the triumphant Oscar return of one of our sort of cultural icons of the last twenty years, and that is Jennifer Lopez, who probably who never really went away. No, but Jennifer but, Lopez just whatever <laughs> did went and did whatever Jennifer Lopez wanted to do. Yeah, and but but you know like hasn't uh, hasn't done uh, you know headlined a movie like this in some time. Uh, I I mean straight up I. I dug the hell out of it. I was hearing great things about it, and oftentimes when I hear great things about a movie, I'm like, well, it can't be that good. And it, it for the most part, matched up the entirety of those expectations. Uh, it's shot super well. I enjoy uh, the the edit of it. The look of it's great. Uh, and and it, it definitely does a good job at both making the individual worlds of the women, both when they're working and when they're not working, disparate enough where, like, visually it makes sort of sense, but also with based on, like, the type of shots and color palettes and et cetera, like, it still feels like a cohesive movie. Sometimes it's a little too jarring when you sort of deal with two worlds and a thing. Um the the main four girls are phenomenal. Right. Um, the the actually I think I can't think of anybody in this entire thing. Uh, no, Julia Stiles is great too. I I don't know. Like this, I have zero uh, criticism about any of the acting whatsoever. I think the story is an awesome sort of like. It kept me interested the entire time. Right. Um, and it was great to see a a, a group of women in this case basically doing what I would like I would I, I kept thinking back honestly to Goodfellas a lot okay. in this. The, there's the DNA of Goodfellas is certainly woven through this. Yeah. For for a couple of reasons. Yeah. And I think weirdly I think this movie does some things better than Goodfellas and I think Goodfellas does some things better than this movie. But I I to see it from this perspective and this time period talking about these social issues was just such a delight and something like I hadn't seen before nor had I thought much about previously mm-hmm. uh, and, and not to mention I mean obviously the 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 performance of Jennifer Lopez in that like in the first 20 minutes her first dance like that uh, <laughs> the, you sent me a great article who is that by the uh, Constant Grady does a, has an article for Vox about uh, Jennifer Lopez's body uh, and the way in which her body has been represented in media and the way in which she uses her body and you know this is a film I think that kind of exemplifies the fascination that we as an audience have with her physical body and something she said in that article we'll go check that out if you if you can um the the way that this scene is shot when she comes out when uh jennifer lopez's character comes out and 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 does this dance you haven't seen her before but you've already been set up with the world through constance Wu uh bringing you through destiny um when ramona comes out and does her thing it's definitely like oh here's the head this is the best person at this but the way it's shot is not like most of the other movies you'd never see a man's close up face of like looking at her so you never get that sort of feeling of objectification uh, yeah. y- you get you get basically Constance Wu looking at her in this like shock and awe of admiration and like wonderment yeah and and you see sort of um Jennifer L- Lopez 
when she's doing all of this stuff, and yeah, she's doing sexy moves and doing impressive uh, strength uh, requiring sort of pole stunts, but like the entire thing is based on her performance and in the enjoyment of that performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only onlooker that we actually focus on is another woman not looking on in sort of a lustful, like, <laughs> sort of way, but in a holy fuck, this person's good sort of way. Right. Uh, and that, when after that s- scene played, I, it, that movie just had me. Like, right. I was on board. Right. Um, and it and it didn't really disappoint me. I have one... I have one Incredibly small criticism we'll get to when we get into spoilers, mm-hmm. but uh, it was great. Well, I mean, that's that was sort of my my initial stuff. What about you? What did you? What did I th- you think? I think you touched upon the, the the real things I liked about it. Now, the the fact that you mentioned Goodfellas is kind of interesting, uh, you know, because the this you know Lorena Scar uh, Scarfia. I, God, I hope I say that last <laughs> time, right. Um, and if I don't, I apologize. Um, you know, like just correct your spelling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Correct my pronunciation if I <laughs> if I correct your spelling. <laughs> Zach. Zach, Zach, yeah. Zach, Zach, come Zach. at you here. Yeah. Figure Zach. out everything he says wrong in this episode <laughs> and email us back, and I will read it nice and slow. Do it, do it. Um, I, I really love that this was this felt like it was from a woman's point of view, like, and and you could see it from the very first shot, um, which is this, you know, like uh, she manages to weave in these like really long takes, yeah, um, that take you through the club, but from the point of view of one character, where you recognize how silly this all is, you know, like in terms of the way women's bodies are like basically put on display and it can just it, it's in it, it, it inflames a man to like the highest levels and she's literally just is just walking through yeah um is really it's a really fascinating plan i think the scene that you're talking about when we get introduced to ramona for the first time you know the fact that we see it from destiny's point of view rather than else what we what we what the film is constantly reminding you of there is the men are rubes in this you know the men are there to be exploited whereas the women are there to admire each other and I think the, the, the thing about this movie that really works for me is that it, it's, a, it's an enduring story about female friendship. And, and it's a story about women supporting each other. Now, the, the, the places these women go to and the, the, the limits of what they are willing to do in order to exploit other people is certainly beyond uh, beyond the pale in terms of uh, uh, what is acceptable. Full-fledged morality. Yeah, full-fledged morality. But what's uh, I, I don't think the movie shies away from the fact that what they're doing is wrong. What I think is interesting is that the film binds them together with the singular sense of, like, these are women who are trying to na- navigate an essentially corrupt system. Yes. And figuring out what is the best... What, is, what are the tools and assets that they have in order to navigate the system? And so when... And what I love about that is that you don't ever get a sense, you know, when when a woman gets naked in this film or when when someone starts dancing, um, it never feels like they're being exploited for the male gaze in the audience. Like my favorite thing is the final shot of this film is 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 them dancing to a Janet Jackson track, and it's all of them fully clothed, and and you feel it's it's a it's a wide shot, you know, and and what you feel is that these are women who are just enjoying themselves, mm-hmm. enjoying being around each other, and it's about the relationships that they have formed with each other. Um, 
uh, Lorena Scarfia um, took this as a writing assignment originally uh, and had to fight in order to get this uh, to become the director for this film. You know, like it took a long process for her to be attached to it as oh, a director. Wow. Uh, and Scorsese was a, uh, uh, was in the in the running to direct this at one point. Uh, uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, uh, you know, who had done The Big Short at this point, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Vice, you know, who kind of has that interest in economics, you know, the the sort of uh, um, Nix's point between economics and, and social life. Yeah. Um, they also were attached to one? Well, no, they're, they're producers on this, so they, they commissioned the initial Oh, script. interesting. Yeah, and, and McKay... Well, they, they seem to have come a long way from Margot Robbie in a bathtub. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, maybe there's a recognition there that, that you know, like, uh, from what uh, Lorena Scarfia talks about, she says that McKay kind of understood that it would be a great situation for her to direct the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Um, you Good know, he that. I don't think he was ever in the running to direct it, although it you know, it was a it was a property that uh I'm not sure which company had uh, had option from the screen from the from the article, but you know, he kind of spearheaded it in some way. Again, he said that, you know, he was the one telling her that Scorsese was in the mix to, to direct right, right, it. Right. And, you know, and I think the way she describes it is at one point, she said to him, "I hope Scorsese doesn't do it, so that you can." And and you know, but she, and she was very, you know, um, uh, there's an interview with her in uh, um, in Bill Simmons' podcast where they where she talks about, you know, like I, she was just sort of in, she she was like, if Martin Scorsese directs us, that would be amazing. I would be happy to be on set to watch Martin Scorsese work. Um, but you know, eventually. It it became apparent that she you know it apparently took like nine months for her to be yeah. attached to this as a director and it's and I think it is the thing that makes this film work. Of course, it's a good Be- thing that Marty was busy on Irishman. Uh, Irishman, I think at this point he might have been busy on Wolf of Wall Street as well and Silence. You know, like yeah. so he had a lot of projects going on. Um, and and you know, like I you know there are elements of this film that occasionally feel like they are uh, riffing on Scorsese, particularly Goodfellas Casino, you know, that that sort of um, that sort of um, modern second act of uh, Scorsese's career where he kind of got into that sort of flashy, you know, Las Vegas style kind of, you know, sweeping camera moves kind of thing. Showing showing the excess in a very ex- uh, exciting, exciting way. way that makes the audience excited. Also, I mean, again, you can see you can see the the long shots as a very inspired thing. Yeah, but they they never because they're kind of framed in this um, this very purposeful sense of looking, you know, like who's looking at who and and who has the right to look at who in this film, um, and and found it and really, you know, because there there are other filmmakers, you know, like Ted Demi's film Blow, for example, with Johnny Depp feels like very much like a Scorsese movie. You know, like someone really watched a bunch of Scorsese movies and was like, let's make this movie like Scorsese did. This feels like it's 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 riffing on that idea because it's relevant to what the story is about, mm. but it's only using that idea kind of just as a touch point, and it, it has its own identity in terms of what it is trying to say and do. You know, it's very interesting, and I'm going to bring this back to you, but you made it, you did it, you, now it's going to be the, the point so nice, I'm going to make it twice. Uh, Joker. Okay. Has Scorsese yeah, stuff too, Earlier but, Scorsese but here's yeah. here's the interesting part. I think Hustlers, and I, I'm going to say this, and I might have to backtrack. Cause I'm not exactly sure exactly where I'm going with it. Hustlers takes Scorsese esque elements and uses them to tell a new story from an interesting, different perspective. And I think fundamentally the difference here. And well, yeah, this well, is, hang on. Yeah. Well, okay, we might be about to say the same thing. Is that this has something to say? Yes. Well, it, well, not only that, but but no, maybe that can actually be boiled down. That was kind of where I was going to get to. Much more long winded. Yes, Joker does t- takes um, aesthetics and and structure, but at the end of it, 
doesn't really go anywhere with it with a message of anything really. Um, we'll, we'll we'll go to that bonus yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it, it's just interesting, and I, I'll bring up something else about that later. But yeah, it's just I like that we're doing both of these back to back. Yeah, we're doing two. You know, Scorsese is now. You know, like I, I've certainly been on set, and when I've done a camera move, for example, I've said this one. I want this to feel like uh, a sweep from Goodfellas. You know, I want this to feel like a push in from Goodfellas. Yeah, because you know, I mean, it's a it's it's cultural shorthand. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah, it is. and it, and, it, and it makes total sense. Um, but I think you know, like. What's what what works in this film? You know, I think uh, the story is uh, somewhat. It, it can feel somewhat slight, as in you know we don't exactly know what's happening. There's a flash forward and flashback between the article being written and the story being retold. But the the thing that couches it really, it comes from that very first line uh, for me, which is "Get in my fur," and and it's these two women. Who you know, like uh, when you're watching it, you're sort of waiting for this turn to happen where we realize that Ramona is um, so much, somewhat more uh, nefarious than we th- than we first perhaps thought. Yeah. But but that never happens, and I'm so glad it doesn't because wh- you know what the film is ultimately kind of trying to like identify is that these women that these two women were out to support each other in a in an almost non-competitive way sure and and um there's an interesting you know side story about lorena uh, scarfia who she's part of this sort of uh, troop of uh, screenwriters they call themselves the fim um fim army no no hang on where have i got this i've got this written down you got it um, i believe the empire the empire uh, which she writes with uh, Diablo Cody and Dana Fox, you know, and she talks about how they 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 sit and they write together, and they're completely supportive of each other. They're not competing. They're they're they cheer each other on as much as possible. Uh, you know, whenever one has a success, they're they they're sort of all there for it. So I think that that you know that point of view is really what makes this film work, even when the story gets a little confusing, even when it kind of kind of gets a little slight. Um, none of that matters. Um, the second, th- the, there's a couple other things. First off, the, the cast in this thing, you know, like you've got, you seem to have like the, the biggest names in music in this film. You've got, uh, you've got JLo herself, Cardi B is in this, uh, Lizzo pops up, yep. G-Eazy is in this, um, and none of it ever feels... Spoiler alert, but Usher makes a cameo. Uh, Usher makes a cameo. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and one of the things she talks about in that interview is that, you know, like all these... Basically, once J-Lo signed on to do this movie, everyone circled around her. Yeah. And was like, you know, like, yes, we will do... Of course do. they did. Because, you know, like, I can imagine as an actress or even a, a star, you know, like the, oh, should I, do a, should I do a movie where I'm a stripper? You know, like, when I have to perform? And, you know, do, like, how much of my body is going to be exploited? in this film once it was JLo once I believe it was Lorena Scarfira um, I think everyone kind of you know coalesced around this film is like no this while while the subject matter might be salacious while the topic might be you know like the the kind of thing that we've seen previously in an exploitative way this is not going to be that but it's also thematic to what the movie is about which is really great too like again i don't think that a lot of the previous films you listed in this i don't want to even call it a genre but like movies about strippers or with strip clubs or like whatever it's not this movie calls out exactly what the salation is and how the people sort of work around it and the other ones might mention it but the movies are not a about that, except maybe the girlfriend experience. I, I, I have a very strong place. Oh, in my interesting, heart for the girl, interesting. For the okay, let's experience. put that one aside. I'm yeah. saying the majority of them. This yeah, is not something that normally uh, gets put across like yeah. that. So it's very nice. Um, I will say about the structure. Mm. Uh, are we into spoilers? I guess at this yeah, point. Yeah, why not? Let's do that. Um, so, and I don't think I'll hit anything too much, but it will might lead down that road. Uh, the structure of this film. Um, 
it's interesting because, okay, I don't think entirely that if I really want to like break it down like hypercritically from a editing and sort of pacing perspective, the way that it introduces this like kind of future jump to the past, storytelling jump to the past, and then sort of kind of forgets about that thing a little bit two-thirds through and then like we're sort of in regular time, that is not a fully effective structure for me. Mm. But here's here's something else. I'm going to keep tying this back to Joker and saying everything <laughs> that Hustlers did correct that Joker did not. Hustlers, I, I think it is a slight misstep in the structure. But the difference is that Hustlers has so much to say and is overall like not just one or two things are enjoyable about it, but like literally everything is enjoyable about it and, and, and feels rich in mm. a way that I don't care that it, it had a slight pacing misstep on something that from a technical level might bug me otherwise. Everything else let the let the experience sort of flow over me, whereas some of the stuff in Joker, I won't get into spoilers for that because I don't want to do that, but there are moments in it where it switches gears very quickly mm-hmm. and you are told a thing, uh, in my opinion, that was not set up or earned once or twice, and uh, it it got me to a point where I was like, oh, we're doing this now? Uh, okay. And it, break, it, it kind of broke the immersion for me in that format because there wasn't enough, I guess, uh, <laughs> cinematic lubricant to sort of get Ugh. over the... Yeah, you like uh, that? I figured yeah. you'd like that. You were talking about greased up G-strings before. Let's do this. this. Is there something wrong about the way you use it? Uh, okay. Like, like, people expect this of me. I'm not sure we're expecting it of you. Anyway, uh, no, I... So while I think there there's uh, the, the, the pacing of it and that sort of... Um, editing tactic mm-hmm. for this film is it, it, I don't think is used to its full potential it didn't also ever like I had to like when I watched it I was like I love this what am I going to talk about right. and then I was like I had to kind of go back and be like okay well like these are all the great things and like I guess if I have to talk about it like that's one thing I could see where if if this the rest of this movie wasn't entirely sort of like a, a washing over of an experience uh, that could be a, a small thorn the, the, the I guess the only point I want to make there is I'm glad that it's not Full-on Scorsese. It's not. It's really. It's it. it oh, use, same. It hard use, same. Uses it as a touch point. It has its own identity. I think every scene is rich and interesting. There's there's. I have one point of confusion, but it doesn't break the movie yeah, experience yeah, for yeah. me. It, it it has to do with the flashback structure when we're seeing uh, Destiny talking to the the reporter, and she seems to be like fully, you know, like has all this sort of jewelry on, and you know, like she seems to be living in the suburbs now. And I didn't understand what her situation had become. Yeah. Because at the end of it, there's a phone call. Uh, that she has with uh, with that character again, where she says, "I'm moving into, uh, you know, I uh, someone has been helping me out, and I'm moving into another, uh, I'm moving into pharmaceutical sales yeah. or something like that." And I, I was just confused at like at what had happened to her um, when she was talking to the reporter. That's kind that, of my point. It yeah. kind of just breaks down a little bit, and they realize that that's not the important mm-hmm. thing about the movie, so they just were like, "Okay, no, no, no let's just keep moving." Well, it just it was because because uh, what the expectation that was being set up there is that Ramona had gone to prison while Destiny had kind of thrived and you know found some other. But way. we never actually see that. Yeah, we don't see it, and we don't, we're not sure. And I, I, but I, it never breaks the experience for me. And and I think the last scene with Jennifer Lopez's character, where she talks about the things that she carries in her purse, you know, to have with her at all yeah. times, and she's got this photo of Destiny as a child. I think is just so lovely. It's such a it's such a beautiful moment. And and you know, like there are so many moments in this film where. You're just seeing these two, you know, because again, the the way, you know, like the title is Hustlers. We're expecting Ramona to kind of turn on Destiny at some point, but she never does. And in fact, all the way through, she just continually supports her. Um, and, and I think that that... Um, 
she never actively turns on her. Yeah. But she does make reckless decisions that are correct for her character that the film has set up that does put Destiny and the girls and their operation in danger. Of course, but she doesn't she doesn't actively go out of her way no, but, to harm Destiny. So then there's the difference, and I go back to this like, and I this is sort of just a philosophical question mm-hmm. in general, but like what's worse? Causing someone harm because you're like, I'm going to cause them harm, and this is what I'm doing, like actively knowing what you are doing, or being so ignorant of what that other person needs or what is safe for that person that you just roll on through anyway in a selfish tyrant, which or tirade, which is kind of what um Ramona does. It's sort of like she wants more and she's sort of in this thing. So like she doesn't actively be like, I'm going to get, I'm going to turn on destiny. But she also, again, everything is true to her character and it's done very well. But she does come from a selfish place that then eventually does hurt destiny. Well, if you look the at the actions of, of everyone in this film. Everyone you know, kind of does it. Yeah, but, everyone's but, compromised in some way. No yeah. one is morally pure. Oh, no, no, I like, know. I'm just saying that yeah. there's, it's. It's a different. Like, like it's about, a different kind of injuring somebody. Think about the. Think about uh, one of my favorite scenes in this film is uh, there's a sequence in which uh, one of their uh, what do they call them Joes Jacks what are the what do you what do you call your Johns you, yeah you one of the Johns is like has collapsed uh, because he tried to jump into a pool or something like that he and jumped so, off the roof and missed the pool. the pool yeah and so they have to drag <sighs> him to the hospital yeah and then she dra- you know and it's a sequence that you know again reminiscent of the 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 helicopter chase sequence from Goodfellas um, where she takes someone to you know she, she she has to like negotiate the the act of taking this person to the hospital then she has to rush back uh first thing in the morning you know to like get to her house uh, to pick up her kid and take her kid to school and i love it's it's another one of these like fantastic long sequences long take sequences where she walks the her daughter across the street to her school but she's still wearing her outfit from the night before she still has blood on her top and everyone's kind of staring at her with this sort of like confused <laughs> look on their face and it's that same thing that you're talking about which is that she is ultimately putting the life at which she wants in jeopardy and her daughter's, you know, like the, the things that are meaningful to her daughter in jeopardy by doing that. But she's not doing it in a malicious way. She's just making the choice. Well, she's, 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 she's exhausted. She's run down and she's out of options at that point. Yeah, this is how she does supply the money to give her daughter that life. And she just has to do it at that point. She yeah, just yeah. has to do it. So I, you know, I kind of view Ramona as kind of working in the same sense. There's, there's certainly recklessness with the things they choose, but they both go along, you know, like the, like destiny is not just sitting by watching uh, Ramona no, make but Ramona, decisions. Ramona makes a, uh, Destiny does call out a lot of things that Ramona does, and Ramona kind of brushes her off because she kind of sort of found a new, worse sort of like young person to put under Dawn, her wing. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dawn, who's the junkie, uh, or the the, the yeah. The, the drug user. Now, what, one I, just a technical thing that I loved in this scene yeah. is the use of sound. Oh, uh, yeah. It was so great. I, I was like, what? And it, the, again, it's something that it, it's when... It's subtle and it jumps, but when you hit it, you hear yeah, it, you know. Yeah, and it's something that's that's used so well and it's so clever. It's, you know, like, it, and it's introduced uh, in the scene previously when uh, Destiny asked to have, like, the tape recorder turned off and then the the, the, mus- the, the film goes completely silent when yeah. the tape recorder goes off. And that's this, like, beautiful sort of sense of, like, this story only exists as it's being told. Yep. And then we realize Dawn is uh, is basically um, you know working on a sting operation now to try and capture uh, Destiny and Ramona. And so the audio that 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 she has is, you know sounds like it's coming from a microphone. Uh, and so the film kind of suddenly suddenly has bad sound for an entire scene, but it's purposely because that's what we're trying to hear. Yeah, uh, it's so clever. I like you've seen so many movies where there's a sting operation and someone's in the room with a microphone on. I don't think I've ever seen a movie where you hear the entire scene. From through the, that microphone through, while you're watching the clear scene, yeah, yeah. it was it was a cool take. I like it's a lot. It, you know like I mean if you're riffing Scorsese, you're also you know like I guess 
I think she does this in a way that's completely her own, and, and yeah. you will reference it from this point. But you know, you could also think about uh, Coppola's film, The Conversation, which you know does these sure. sort of scenes sure, sure, sure. from there. I think it, it's so good, so clever, um, so well executed, so well considered. And again, the movie lands at this point. Um, you know, for me, the the crystallization of the entire film is this 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 sense of friendship. I want to come back to that that Constance Grady article that you mentioned before, and I think the sure. the, the, the paragraph that you you talked about, which is the introduction of Ramona, and and uh, Grady uh, says this this sort of beautiful line here: uh, the scene where we watch Ramona, you know, dance for the first time, is the thesis of the movie in a little over two minutes. Hustlers is about the labor of sex work and the money that comes out of it. It's about how capitalism turns body and uh, sex into tools through which we can make money. It doesn't really focus on the eroticism of sex work or the idea that strippers are sexy and glamorous at all. And it's there's that it's a very subtle kind of line that you're drawing here, but the way that it does that is, again, by, by making sure that we're always couched in the perspective that we're looking at these women from the point of view of other women. And, yeah. and I, you know, that's what makes this movie work so well. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Um I mean, I, I guess we, we, you know, I, I, I had to go into sort of like my, my final bit about this movie. I would say that uh, I want to go back to sort of the Goodfellas thing, mm. basically, and something that I've always so Goodfellas I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, but it, Goodfellas to me, and and same with Wolf of Wall Street and a couple other things, like it's about the allure of being a terrible person and profiting from it, and then eventually. The sort of like fall from grace, but you know, realizing that like it's not a true like, oh no, now you're truly fucked. It's just now you are boring, right? Like that's kind of what the like because even at the end of Goodfellas, he's still like in witness protection. Spoiler for Goodfellas, uh, you know, and like in a, su- a suburb. Like, I think I think maybe the word phrase he's bored, not boring. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, your your life is boring. The character's yeah. life is now boring. Yeah, and that's the what could almost be seen from a look outlook of these films as a punishment worse than death right. it, for these particular characters in like Goodfellas or, or you know Wolf of Wall Street. Um, for Hustlers, what I was so glad to see um, was exactly what you said at the beginning of this podcast. You hear where the. The life in the story and, and the drugging of the Wall Street guys and, and, and how far will you go and, you know, taking advantage of those that seem to be taking advantage and like all, all of that stuff. That's all there and that's all good. And then there's also like the fun. Um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? elaborate times when they have their big Christmas party and they're all hanging out and they're like very, they're getting new apartments and like they got the car and they're, you know, they're all of the excess that they can get due to this life of crime. Yeah. Um, But then when it falls apart, you realize that even though some characters are in worse places, the, the, where the movie focuses, we don't see, J-Lo go to prison. We don't see, like, you know, like the... You, you saw a lot of, like, the processing of the bad stuff in Goodfellas because I think that was sort of the point. Yeah. Where in this movie, all of that is just the the placement for a story about how you said that women supporting each other and sort of the way that sort of friendships actually can function w- with human beings. Yeah. Uh, women in particular in this case. But uh, oftentimes, I mean, friendships are complicated things uh, no matter who you are. Yeah. Um, if they're successful. So... So this was such a nice thing because at the end of the movie, even though the entire thing is priming you to tell you, like, even even subtly, like, th- these are what's important. From that first line of getting my fur or coming yeah. to my fur when she <laughs> takes her under a wing, like, literally. Yeah. 
it's about that. Yeah. And and even though it's in this fantastical world with with totally excess and like crime and like all this stuff, that is the the backdrop for a story about women and their interactions and their friendships with one another. And that to me for what I am looking for in this current day and age of of cinema and storytelling and all that jazz, it's the perfect mix of sort of like salaciousness with actually a point that I see is clear and I believe in and I enjoy watching. Yeah. Again, back to Joker. <laughs> it doesn't have that. You're gonna you're gonna rag on Joker for a while. Uh, well, right? <laughs> and again, again, you can go back and listen to the episode. I have a lot of positive things to say about Joker too. Yeah. But. Like I want the dis- I want more discourse on this film and why it works and why it feels different and why it takes a a sort of stylized thing that we are used to and uses it in a far more effective way for for a, a, a story to be told. I feel like in this day and age. And so anyway, I, I love this movie. I think it's very very good. I encourage everyone to go see it. It's still in the theaters. It will be for a couple more weeks. I'm sure. Um, Shahir, what about you? You take take us home on this one. Well, I'm gonna. I actually have a couple of like uh, longer thoughts that I want to get into. So my final oh, thoughts no! will, take, will take a little bit of time. But like, let me. So buckle up. Uh, the first thing I did, <laughs> uh, w- and it, and it is relation to our conversation about Joker and the conversation that we had about morality in films and whether a film can be amoral. Mar- you know, sure. like how does morality? The, the question of morality in films, uh, as we discussed in Joker, is not necessarily in the question about like what characters do, whether the characters themselves are moral, but whether how that how the relationship between the film and the audience plays out. Yes. You know, like, does the film reject the film, you know, uh, or does the audience reject the film because of the amorality of the characters, or does the, the audience feel that the film is actually uh, preaching an idea yep. that is amoral? And and the interesting thing was is that I, you know, kind of did that thing, which you probably shouldn't do every time, which is go on Reddit and have a look at what people, you know, people's comments <laughs> on, the, on the film. Oh, no. And there was a degree of, there was a fair amount of vitriol at the idea that, you know, like, how can this film celebrate these, like, completely amoral characters, these, these people who have done these terrible things like drugging uh, and victimizing people, and and I guess you know my my thing because because in 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 the previous episode on the Joker we kind of talked about uh, my issue is not that a film can be amoral or have transgressive qualities or be satirical about morality or you know like have this sort of like unusual bent to it you know films like American Psycho or yep. whatever or Fight Club but it's whether the film puts that in a context that speaks to an audience in some way. And I think the issue there is that I wasn't quite convinced, not, I'm not 100% convinced that Joker uh, as a film kind of has a, a, you know, puts that conversation or puts the amorality of its character in a framework for its audience to receive in a way that is, uh, that makes sense of it. And, you know, that's what story should do. Yep. And, and this is a film where, yes, these women are doing... Uh, uh, undoubtedly amoral things you know they're drugging people but but the film couches it by giving us a sense of who the people they are taking advantage of the 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 particular place in which these women have decided that these victims are okay to be taken care of now whether you agree with that or not and you know there is one particular case in this film of a of a man who who whose life is torn apart by these women um is 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 an interesting point of view to take but the film frames it into a into a sort of a more complex moral conversation about the friendship that these women uh, you know had with each other and whether that's enough 
to sustain you through the terrible things that they did. And I think it puts a question mark in it that that it's a fascinating thing to like look at. Um, and it's not it's not questionable. You know, like I think it's very clear about what it's trying to do and say. Well, the interesting thing, if you're sort of putting them in in contrast, and again, I'm not going to do any spoilers for Joker. Um, the 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 reason why this film I think works on that level and the other one doesn't is we see things from a lot of different perspectives that could be considered protagonist perspectives. Also, that one character that you kind of see, because before you're like, yeah, these are douchebag Wall Street guys, fuck them. Just like, you know, in, in some aspects of Joker are a little bit like that too. Yeah, um, yeah there's a douchebag Wall Street guy yeah, yeah, yeah. in right, Joker. But, but, like, but the way it's sort of presented, you never see the other side of like, like you never see like, yeah, you're you're getting you're you're getting back at the people that are getting you, but then also in your adventures and getting back at people, you're also leaving your own collateral damage. And characters sort of realize it in this film and uh, realize it a little bit before you actively see as an audience member. Oh yeah, beyond this like salacious and like sort of cool like getting back at the asshole sort of thing, like there are real people. Granted, for their own stupid decisions, but you are taking advantage of vulnerable people just like you were once taken advantage of. And the characters are questioning it themselves. Yeah. You know, you see Destiny, you know, when the 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 man that they're taking advantage of that uh, has the autistic son, you know, she's saying, "Oh, I it's, I was having conversations with him about my child and I was I was really she she was conflicted about the whole thing, and that is the precipice at which she starts realizing that something is going. You know, that they, they might have crossed the line. And in Joker, mm -hmm. actions were never the actions themselves were never questioned. Mm. Uh, sort of how a character gets to a place is questioned, but the actions themselves never were. And this, in this particular, in, in Hustlers, due to the fact that the weirdly enough. The actions, again, I have to go with are the backdrop. It's about these women. It's about their relationship with one another. Uh, and the movie puts all the focus on that, uh, or a lot of the focus on that. Yeah. And therefore, you get to see it from multiple perspectives. You get to see it from sort of a little bit of an outside view. You're not so deep in it. And I think it's uh, highly effective and able to do what it does because of it. One, uh, and then the final kind of sidetrack uh, that I wanted to talk about was the sort of the, the the Jennifer Lopez factor of this film, which I think is a is a major draw card to go see this film. But I think the film, uh, rightly so, has an interesting take on how to use Jennifer Lopez for this film. And and I think the thing that, you know, like for me, obviously Out of Sight is the film that I think about a lot when I think about Jennifer Lopez. It might be because I'm a male and, you know, that, that film had to do with um, basically a sort of even-handed uh, play of sexuality between George, George Clooney's character and Jennifer Lopez's character. And every you know, romantic comedy that Jennifer Lopez has done from that point, I felt has sort of not played in the same field where, where, you know, Jennifer Lopez as an actress has been able to kind of leverage, uh, the things that, you know, she, her stardom brings to, brings to the screen. And, and, uh, this art, again, I'm coming back to this article from Constance, uh, Constance, um, Grady. And I'm, I'm doing that because we almost had her on the show to talk about this. So <laughs> I, I hope I, I'm filling in a, uh, a few things here, uh, on her behalf. Um, but this, I just love, you know, again, thinking about Jennifer Lopez and, you know, again, she's been out of the, the the popular zeitgeist in terms of films, which is at least the the point my point of reference for almost everything, uh, but she's still been around. You know, her Instagram is huge. She's you know still uh, was on American Idol or The Voice for a long period of time, whichever of those shows uh, it was, and still a major bankable star. But we forget about this period in Jennifer Lopez's life uh, when uh, when her body was such a 
a such a cultural touch point. And that's what I, I think that's what this article is about. Jennifer Lopez's body has been a major cultural shorthand for the uh, for ideas about sex, race, class, and gender norms for more than twenty years now. Her body in that famous green Versace uh, gown from the two thousand uh, Grammy Awards red carpet directly led to the creation of Google Images. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't exist up until that point. And directors go out of their way to center her butt in their in their movies. Now remember the, the other thing that was interesting is like there was a I, I don't know if the, this was a rumor or something, but there was like this idea that Jennifer Lopez's butt was insured for like a million dollars or something like that. Oh yeah, uh, I remember. You, you remember? That. You remember this whole com- There's this entire conversation about her body in relationship to the screen or in relationship to the audience. Yeah, and I think the 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 thing is is this movie has such a clear understanding of star power and how to utilize it in a smart way. Much in the same way like Fincher uses Brad Pitt and Fight Club. I think Scarfina, uh, Scarfia <laughs> uses, uses Jennifer Lopez in like the exact right way. And that first scene is this moment of jaw-dropping awe. You know, I think if the camera was angled slightly differently, if we got... You know, two or three more point of view shots from the ma- you know from male spectators, you, you, that whole scene kind of falls apart yeah, and becomes okay. exactly the thing that we don't want it to. But because it's framed so well, because she knows what she's doing as a director and a writer, that it. it it never veers into that. And it's so good for that reason. I urge everyone to go see this film. I had such a great time with it. I'll probably go see it a second time. There you go. This has been the only podcast about the film Hustlers. Shahir. I'm a hustler, baby. Shahir, what is that song? when you are not uh, hustling yourself through all of your um, uh, pole dancing classes and mastering the table, Ooh, where can I thought, folks I really find thought, you? I thought that was going to go in another direction for a second there. Uh, you can see me slipping off the pole at my website, www.shahirdad.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. I wish your website was named Slipping Off the Pole. Slipping Off the Pole. I'm sure someone's someone's got that, right? I'm sure. <laughs> dub, dub, dub. Um <laughs> <laughs> Matt, where uh, when you're not uh, sitting here greasy and g-stringed up uh, discussing third wave feminism with another dude, where can people find you? You can find this hootie tootie disco cutie over at my website at m-a-t-t-h-e-w-k-r-o-l dot com uh, for my life and works. Also, Skeletor the number four. Uh, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and P-S-N or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, check out the good works we are doing over at. Extra credits, I believe, this week we have released our first, uh, we're starting on a series on Anchor Watt, mm-hmm. which is super, uh, super good. And uh, the art on that is phenomenal. So go check that out. Um, and yeah, that's about it for this week. Uh, stay tuned again. Not right now, of course. Uh, but, you know, later in this week, I bet you we're going to be dropping that Joker email thing because you guys, you, you, everybody out there. You folks, you have some Joker opinions. <laughs> yeah, the opinions are coming in fast enough, so please email. Keep them coming as well. We will we'll review. Uh, we'll do a special episode uh, on Joker emails, um, but you can continue to email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod or like Zuck did, uh, review us on iTunes. Stop. Um, and, uh, and have me check your grammar and spelling in the most horrible way. Yuck. All right, well, we'll talk to you next week. And until then, uh, I hope... You have a lovely time doing whatever you're doing right now. In the most hustle-rific way. Do your, make hustle. your hustle. This is America, baby. Yeah. Hustle, hustle. America's a business, Be, not make a sure country. There's an equal amount of hustling and flowing, though. You you have to make sure. Right, yeah. It's dangerous. It's dangerous out here. It's hard out here for a pimp. Okay, now we got to go. 